This is Eastern Carolina's longest-running sports radio show. The Brian Bailey Show is on the air. The Brian Bailey Show is powered by Greenville Utilities and also brought to you by Angus Grill, Bostick Sug Furniture, Bojangles, East Coast Grady, Papa John's, Pepsi, The Rick House, Greenville Utilities, Taft, Taft, and Hagler, Tiebreakers, and Greenville Auto World. And now, here's Brian Bailey. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome into our show. Have we got a treat for you today? He's called Cowboy Joe, Country Joe. He's probably been called a lot worse than that in his umpiring career. He umpired 5,460 games in his career over a record 43 seasons. He's retired now, but he's going to join us from his home in Florida. He's from Greenville, a Greenville native, the umpire that we all love. Joe West is going to join us coming up telling all kinds of baseball stories, so it's going to be a great hour to come. Country Joe, Cowboy Joe, Joe West is up next. We'll be back with more on the Brian Bailey show after this. The best burgers around. Everyone loves a thick, juicy and fresh burger. Tiebreakers in Greenville, plus the all-new Tiebreakers in Winterville do real burgers better than anybody. So don't just go to any burger-themed restaurant chain. It's time to break the chain and eat local. Tiebreakers, real burgers at its best. Everybody loves burgers. I'm Michael Vaughn with East Coast Grading and Utilities. Many of you know my dad, David Vaughn, and his work in putting in subdivisions all over Pirate Nation. But East Coast Grading and Utilities is not just for those type of big jobs. We're here for the homeowners, whether it's concrete, driveways, hauling rock or sand, whatever you need, East Coast Grading and Utilities can get the job done. Call us at 252-531-7494 or check us out on Facebook at East Coast Grading and Utilities. The Angus Grill is your premier spot for the best burgers, cheesesteaks, and brisket sandwiches around. Join us for our unmatched variety of burger combinations. From the mushroom bacon Swiss burger to the jalapeno popper burger to the original Angus Classic. Pair that burger with our amazing onion rings, tots, fries, or sweet potato fries. Angus Grill, with four amazing locations in eastern North Carolina, including Winterville near Pitt Community College, on Jarvis Street in uptown Greenville, and on Statensburg Road near the hospital. It's the best burger around. Guaranteed. It's time to Save big and save now during Bostick Sug Furniture's Memorial Day Markdowns. Beautiful furniture for your home with Memorial Day Markdowns you have to see to believe. Plus six months special financing. Save up to 70% off clearance items. Plus take an additional 25% off accessories. This is a must shop event with incredible savings store wide. Start sleeping better and save on a new mattress with up to 48 months special financing now at Bostick Sug Furniture. It's bow time. Sometimes the craving for Bojangles Supremes is so strong you just gotta have them. Even when your gas tank is on empty and Bojangles is still 10 miles down the highway. Nothing beats the flavor of Bojangles Juicy Golden Supremes, especially when they're part of a perfect combo with four boldly seasoned chicken Supremes, a made-from-scratch biscuit, fixin', and some legendary iced tea. The only thing that can satisfy your hunger is that delicious southern flavor. So when the craving is supreme, put the pedal to the metal. It's bow time. Hey, Pirate Nation, this is Scott Harris with REMAX Preferred Realty. I've been in Greenville over 25 years. I'm a proud graduate of ECU. If you're looking to buy or sell a home, then give me a call today and let me help make your real estate process fun and easy. I keep it simple and explain the process every step of the way. My goals are your goals. There are no long-term contracts, and you always deal with me from start to finish. The right home starts with the right agent. Call me, Scott Harris, at 347-1857. Go Pirates! B-I-R-A-D-E Once a child wants to spell P is for pirate R is for radio Speak and spell That is correct R-A-D-I-O You are right I'm learning a lot, really Pirate Pirate Radio You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities, providing reliable utility solutions to the Greenville region since 1905. Now, back to the show. 
All right, welcome back on this Monday. Joe West, Cowboy Joe, Country Joe, our favorite umpire. Or as he told me the other day when he called me, I'm the only umpire. He's the only umpire that I know. But we welcome Joe West to our show. He's joining us from his home in Claremont, Florida. How's retirement going so far, Mr. West? Well, it's awesome. Nobody yells at me anymore. When you look at this career that you've had, I mean, obviously, 5,460 games. You started back in 76 and went full-time in 78. Did you have any idea you stick with it that long? No, I really didn't. Um, but you know what? It was it was such a good profession. I enjoyed almost every minute of it. There was some up, down, up, up beats and there was some downtime, but uh, – it was a it was a great profession. I was lucky that I got in when I did, and uh, I was mentored by a lot of older quality umpires. So, uh, in fact, one of the guys that helped get me to the big leagues was Al Barlick, who was a Hall of Fame umpire. And uh, a couple of years, I worked with Doug Harvey, who's in the Hall of Fame, and I had a couple of spring training games with Nestor Shylack, and he's in the Hall of Fame. So, um, I was really I was really fortunate to come up when I did, and. Uh, the American League at the time was expanding, so they had taken all the options out on all the AAA umpires. And the National League was scouting a couple people, and they happened to see me in the minor leagues, and, and they took a chance on me, so I, got, I was in the right place at the right time. You talked about a couple of Hall of Famers. What's it going to mean to you when you get your name called by Cooperstown? Well, you know, you can buy a ticket and go to Cooperstown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can. <laughs> You know, I was I was really lucky. You know, you're you're broadcasting this show from Greenville, North Carolina, and, and the greatest part of, of that town is it's probably the best baseball city in America for developing kids from a very young age all the way up to uh, having a chance to be signed as a professional player. In fact, I think Ronald Vincent had a couple of players, Kelly Heath and Jamie Bruinton, that both made the big leagues at one time or another. But uh, the the history behind the the development of kids in that area is, is just unbelievable from the little league program, which was started by Neely James. And I can remember, I can remember when Dan Gordon was running the little league programs and they played the national anthem and this kid sitting behind the, the screen at Elm street park didn't stand up and Dan Gordon kicked him out of the park and said, don't you ever come back? <laughs> I mean, if you didn't, I mean, it was the American way, you know, yeah. uh, uh, and it was just, um, amazing back then and, and I don't I don't think anybody's been more successful than Ronald Vinson, uh, especially in North Carolina for winning games. Didn't he just win his one thousandth game the other day? Yes he did and I didn't realize it until it was coming up. He's the only coach in any sport. And you think about it, yeah, I guess baseball would be the one, but in any sport, any coach in North Carolina to he's the first to eclipse a thousand wins and you know I, I saw him uh, Saturday I saw him Friday night and interviewed him after his game, after his win. Saw him Saturday morning. We were doing the ALS walk and talked to him briefly then. But uh, every time I talk to him, I think, man, we're talking to a real legend and a legend I've got a chance to work with for 40 years. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, there's another legend there in town. I just got his baseball card. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There. Oh, Marvin, Marvin Jarman. And he was, he went to all of the, uh, every game that Ronald had didn't interfere with his going to the high school basketball games. <laughs> That's right. He, 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 Mr. Rose High Rampant, and I, I, I don't know what his total number of uh, wins is through the years, but, man, he's yeah, he's a legend as well. We've got we've got some legends walking around Greenville, North Carolina, that's for sure. Joe West would be a legend in Greenville. He was still living here. Talk about growing up. You, you told me a great story. Uh, you li- used to live right off of 1st Street before it was paved. Oh, yeah, well, that's that's true. When I, when I moved to, to Greenville, my parents, I was born in Asheville, and they moved to Wilmington. They were both school teachers. And then when I was about five or six years old, they got uh, they transferred up to Greenville. And we're living on Eastern Street, on the north side of Eastern Street, uh, which is north of First Street. And First Street wasn't paved at the time. It was a dirt road. But it ran all the way from the bridge at the river all the way back to Elm Street. And they needed like a a thoroughfare that you could drive that wasn't a dirt road. So they went in and paved the road. And the Gidley family lived on the corner of Eastern and First Street. And so they paved this road, nice blacktop, brand new, everything. And they put this sign up in the Gidley's yard. 
It said, slow, children playing. Well, the next day the sign was gone. So the city went back and put a, another sign up, and it said the uh, same thing, slow, children playing. The next day the sign was gone. So the third day they put the sign up in the same spot. They left the unmarked police car there. And as soon as the, the city workers left, Lewis Gidley came out of the house, and Lewis was my age. He, he went to school with, with me. He played football and baseball with me. And Lewis pulled on that sign until he'd get it out of the ground, and he dragged it back to his backyard. So the policeman followed him back there. He put that sign right where he'd put the other two, and he said, the policeman said, son, what are you doing? And Lewis said, there are not any slow kids on this block. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'll give Greenville credit. They moved the sign a block away over toward Library Street. <laughs> so, they, so, they knew they lost. <laughs> that's, that's a great story. And when you told me you told me that story, I, I said, you know, that's one of those that's hilarious that you just can't make up. I mean, that's just one of those <laughs> things. That, <laughs> but is it, he was, they had a big, they had four kids. They had uh, Dale Gidley, the the older brother, had a son named Hogan Gidley. And Hogan Gidley was one of the uh, Republican Party's advisors in the Trump uh, years. And you've, you've seen him on TV, but he Hogan was born in Texas or Arkansas somewhere because Dale had moved. And uh, we lost Dale a couple of years ago, but... Uh, uh, the, I still remember the days that we would go down and Mrs. Gidley would cook us all pancakes. <laughs> so, That's good stuff. It, yeah, it was it was great growing up in that neighborhood. And, and uh, Rodney Knowles, was a big basketball player, lived at the end of the street down closer to the river. And, uh, of course, the Joiners that we all went hunting with, they lived halfway between my house and the Gidley's house. So uh, I've got a lot of fond memories of, of the times back then. It was It was great. Now, you grew up in Greenville, then you went to East Carolina to play football, played there for a year, then you went to Elon, right? Well, the the trick about the East Carolina thing was Mike McGee had just come in as the head coach at, of the Pirates. And uh, he came around and was recruiting all the best athletes he could from local areas because he wanted, you know, the support of the local people. And, and he came to my house and he sat down with my mother and and he said, we'd like your son to come play quarterback at East Carolina. And and, and uh, she said, well, that's great. But what are we talking about? And he said, well, I'll give him a full scholarship. We'll pay for his room, his, his books, his meals. And she said, just a minute, you'll pay for his meals? <laughs> and Mike McGee said, well, yes, ma'am, I will. She looked at me and pointed at me and said, you will play football next year. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's how I went to East Carolina, but Mike left after one year and he went to Duke because that's where his alma mater was. And uh, Sonny Randall had come in and, and recruited a kid from uh, Virginia Beach named Carl Sumrell. Yeah, Carl and I, Carl and I were the quarterbacks on the freshman team the one year I played it at East Carolina. And uh, if you were on the freshman team, you were the practice squad for the varsity. So one day I intercepted a pass because if you were a quarterback, you were a safety on the defense. Well, I intercepted a pass, and uh, and so I never played quarterback again. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I transferred to Elon because they had offered me a scholarship just like East Carolina had, and uh, so I went up to Elon the next year, and I started three years at quarterback for them up there. And we actually played in the national finals my senior year, so we did pretty good. Of course, the East Carolina did pretty good those years too. Carl Carl led them to one of the best seasons they ever had. So, uh, but uh, yeah, that was that was my football career. And the coolest thing about football was, you know, when you got hit and you got knocked down, you had to get back up, and you had to show that nobody hurt you. That's right. Well, that was the big thing about umpiring because you're going to be ridiculed and tested your entire. I think. Playing football actually helped my umpire. So uh, I, I'm, I'm very grateful that I went through that process. And uh, and uh, it's, it's kind of funny. We lost the championship game my senior year at Elon to uh, Abilene Christian, who had a quarterback named Clint Longley. Clint Longley, yeah. Yeah, and they had a running back named Wilbur Montgomery. And if you think he ran good for the wow, you've seen him run against us. <laughs> so 
Well, that was the only game we lost that year, and uh, but uh, it was a great experience. And, and I, you know, what's really funny is I was umpiring in the local associations in the summertime with those, that group from Goldsboro that was run by Malcolm Sykes, and I was actually umpiring college games before I got out of college, so that didn't hurt either, you know. So. No, that didn't hurt. Clint Longley had the great Thanksgiving Day game against the Redskins, so I think uh, Clint Brock probably was a kid when that happened. Or maybe he wasn't even born, but that was the Clint Longley game. And Wilbert Montgomery ran wild against the Cowboys in the championship game. I think it was 82. I was there in Philadelphia, and Wilbert Montgomery ran crazy, and that was uh, – they did the Cowboys in that day. But that's, that's two good names you went up against uh, in that. Joe West is joining us today on our show. We're going to take a commercial break right now. We're going to come back. He, he talked about you know trying to bounce back and uh, you know, football knocks you down. you got to get back up. We're going to talk about some of those uh, battles in the majors coming up as our show continues after this. Familia is your go-to spot for the best Italian dishes around, including pizzas, pastas, salads, and homemade desserts. That's Familia. Enjoy half-off wine night on Wednesdays, $3 drafts on Thursdays, or get a pizza of the week for just $12. That's Familia. Place your order online or call 689-6330, and Familia will have your order ready in their drive-thru window for pickup. That's Familia. Clip, really? Oh, sorry. Familia on Fire Tower Road in Winterville near Pitt Community College. Take control of your health with ArcPoint Labs. There are a number of hormones that are important for a male's general health, other than just the common thought of testosterone. The ArcPoint Labs overall men's health panel tests for complete blood count, liver and kidney function, cholesterol, thyroid levels, and more. Get a simple blood test today by getting started at ArcPointLabs.com or call 629-6228. ArcPoint Labs. Accurate, reliable, confidential testing. Visit artpointlabs.com. Hi, I'm Annalie Newhoff. And I'm Rob Campbell. And, and we, we are, are with, with Copy Pro. Pro. We have been locally owned and operated here in eastern North Carolina for almost 50 years. Copy Pro is the leader in office technology. Does your business struggle with keeping printing costs low or producing professional documents? Here at Copy Pro, total customer satisfaction is our number one priority. We have a variety of solutions to help reduce your printing expenses and make your business more productive. Call us today at one 1-800-682-6558 or online at copypro.net. CopyPro. We are the professional office systems people. In studio today with Frank Lee with Appliances Superstore. Frank, why should people go see you? We make buying appliances easy. Just that simple. We have the largest selection of in-stock appliances in Eastern North Carolina, which helps our customers save money every day. We offer a 12-month warranty on our appliances, plus we deliver and set up your new appliances and remove your old ones. Come visit us at the Appliances Superstore off 264 behind the new DMV or shop us online at appliancessuperstore.com. Remember, we make buying appliances easy at the Appliances Superstore. This is CJ Mayhew, and you're listening to Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities. Community-owned, community-powered. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back to our show on this Monday. Joe West, the legendary umpire, 5,460 games over 43 seasons, and he joins us from his home down in Claremont, Florida. Where is Claremont, Florida, Joe? We're going down to uh, Clearwater next week. How far, far are you from Clearwater? We're about an hour and fifteen minutes from Clearwater, maybe an hour thirty. We're uh, we're in the middle of the state, over by Orlando. So, oh, uh, that means you're buying dinner. That's good. That's right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We'll, we'll, we'll get we'll get dinner if you get over this way. There you go. We'll do it. That's for sure. All right, all right. Let's let's go through some of the more memorable Joe West moments in baseball history. Is there one argument that you think? outranks all of them that you had through the years? Is there one that's your favorite? Well, we don't really have favorite arguments. (laughs) (laughs) I think the one that most of the people would recognize would be the the one where Alex Rodriguez slapped the glove uh, slapped the glove of Royer on the play at first base. And uh, when the first base umpire signaled safe, uh, we couldn't call interference but we could go down and tell him what we saw. So 
when he called safe, we didn't change it right away. We went down, and I, I said, Randy, did you see the Rodriguez slap at the glove? And he says, no, because there were like three people in front of him because it was such a mess to play. The first baseman's trying to come in and feel the ball. The pitcher's going over, and, and Rodriguez just reached out with his hand and slapped the, slapped the ball out of the glove, which you can't do. You can slide into him. You can run over him, but you can't slap the glove with your free hand. Anyway, so the right field umpire, Jeff Kellogg, came in, and he heard what I said to Randy. He said, that's exactly what I saw from right field. I said, well, we're not going to let the right field umpire <laughs> make a call. <laughs> we're going to get everybody together, and then we're going to fix this. And so uh, all the umpires came in, even the left field umpire, and, and uh, John Hirschbeck was the third base umpire, and he said, are you sure, Joe? I said, if I wasn't sure, we wouldn't be having this meeting. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Randy Marsh was the first base somewhere, and he, he turned around to go call Rodriguez out. I says, Randy, do you want me to call this, or do you want to call? He said, no, it's my call. I need to call. I said, okay. And I said, wait a minute. And he said, turned around and said, what now? I said, you know they're going to throw everything at the book at us here. We're in Yankee Stadium, and we're calling the, the Yankee player out. And Jeter scored on the play from first base, so we're going to have to put him back on first. <laughs> and uh, he said, I know, I know. So sure enough, Randy turns around and calls him out. And, uh, of course, they threw everything in the book. They threw stuff on the field. It took us about, I want to say, four or five minutes to clean up the mess. Somebody threw their car keys at the third base on <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least he got a car out of the deal. <laughs> BMW. I said we should go through the parking lot looking for that. That's deal. right. <laughs> but uh, the the good thing about this call was that the media took up for us. You know, we called the play right, and they took up for us, even though it was a riot. We had to get the police to to line the field to stop the people from throwing stuff, and they actually arrested about sixteen or twenty people. But. Uh, um, well, when I walked over to tell the police we needed their help, uh, the sergeant said, are you telling me or is Major League Baseball? I said, it doesn't matter who's telling you. If I get back to home plate and we're still having this problem, this game's over. And he marched them right out on the field, and that was it. That was the last we had. But the next day was what was amazing. Because as bad as they hated us that night, the Yankee people gave us an applause the next day for what we did the night before. And that's the only time I can remember in my career that we actually got an applause or any kind of ovation for what we did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's, that's so, yeah. I mean, it was that's amazing. Unique. It was a unique experience both ways, one way trying to just survive the incident, but, uh, and people, people say, well, that was a controversial call. No, it was the right call. Right. I, I tell people all the time, there's no such thing as a controversial call. It's either right or it's wrong. And this one was right. So um, I don't I don't like to use the word controversial. You know, they they try to put a tag on something and say it's controversial. That's it's not a good word. It's not it's not good usage of that word. So but anyway, that was probably the most famous argument I had. I mean, I had arguments. Uh, I had 196 ejections, so I've had a lot. Of <laughs> I was looking for that number, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't run it down. I thought it was close to 200, so I was, I was in the ballpark. 196 ejections. Yeah, but that's that's about four a year. That's not too many. That's not, yeah, that's not bad at all. How about how about the uh, take us back to Wrigley Field, the Andre Dawson incident? Oh, he, he didn't like the strike three I called on him, and uh, I didn't either. I was watching that game. I remember that. Were you pulling for the Cubs? Oh, yeah. I'm a big Cubs fan. <laughs> the ball was outside. Well, uh, listen, the ball was not outside. All right. First of all. Second of all, when I, I said, we're going to play whether you're here or not. So you can make a decision now whether you want to leave or you want to be kicked out. So he wanted to get kicked out. So I threw him out. And then he went over the dugout and he threw about eight bats on the field. Yep. And then, so I pointed at each one of them, and he threw eight more. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, the Cubs fans, they got into it. 
I told somebody later, I said, I sold more beer in one swing of my arm than they sold in the first six innings. <laughs> you sure did. They were throwing cups all over the field, and, and it was – and I think the weird thing was because Andre Dawson didn't have that reputation. He was he was kind of quiet and didn't say a whole lot, and it was – you know, I, I met him up in um, in Philadelphia. I wanted, to go, I wanted to go meet Harry Carey, so we would go to Philadelphia, and we're on the field. And it was like the old uh, Mean Joe Green Pepsi or Coke commercial, Coke commercial, where he takes the jersey. So Andre's doing batting practice, and I saw one of the reporters ask him a question. So I had my tape recorder. I was going to do this interview for, and play it back on radio. So I said, Andre, can, can I get a quick quick word with you? He goes, he goes man, I, I got to take batting practice. And I said, okay, I understand. So I kind of sulked back to the, to the dugout, you know, and kind of stood there for a little bit. And sure enough, man, he finished up. He came back over. He goes, hey, man, you want that interview now? Uh, I thought, man, this is my Mean Joe Green commercial. I need somebody to film it. Yeah, well, you you failed to you failed to tell your audience, you know, that when Andre paid his fine for throwing all the bats and stuff, he wrote in the memo on the bottom, "Donation to the blind." <laughs> <laughs> that's good stuff. I swear, that's. Uh... But 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 the job. The other one I want to ask you about was the stare down with 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 Madison Bumgarner. How did, how did did that come about? Just it just happened and it was just there. Well, he was upset that he threw ball four, and he was not happy with me about a pitch two pitches earlier. But ball four was way outside, and he was he was mad at himself, and he used some profanity that you could hear. Uh, and he one of the worst things you can put up with his profanity where the fans can hear it. So I took my mask off and stared at him and he knew he did done something wrong. He knew he knew that he couldn't do that. And the catcher Buster Posey said, What's going on? I said, just sit down and shut up. This will be over one way or another in just a few <laughs> seconds. <laughs> and uh so he got the message and you don't really want to pick uh, kick a starting pitcher out of the game. Uh and especially when he's not he's not mad he wasn't mad at me. He was mad at himself for throwing the pitch out of the strike zone when he, you know, he's pitching a, a good ball game. So uh, it's one of those things where if I kick him out of the game, that just would have escalated into something that was really stupid. So he got the message, and uh, the office called and said, "What were you doing?" When I told him what happened, they said, "Well, we understand that, but you didn't have to stay." I said, "What do you want me to do?" <laughs> well, no, we don't want you to do that either. <laughs> so, but. Uh, yeah, that's then the then the next series we went to. I think we went to Los Angeles, and Jimmy Rollins hit a triple. And when he slid into third base, he stared at me, and I realized what he was doing. I said, "You're not going to win this one either." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of funny. We've had good times on the field. You can. Uh, if if you make it like work, it can be taxing. But if you enjoy what you're doing, it's, it was a great profession for me. I, I really did enjoy it. And you had a chance to be a part of, of baseball history at times. Uh, Nolan Ryan's fifth career no-hitter, uh, other things like that. I mean, how, how memorable are they for you? Do, you? do you save something from that game as, as a memento? You know, it was really funny. When Ryan threw that fifth no-hitter the next day, there was an autographed ball from him in our locker with the date and his name. And I forget what else he wrote on the ball, but it was a thank you from Nolan Ryan, you know, fifth, no hitter. And it's the first time anybody had thrown five. And, uh, I thought, well, that's a very classy move. You know, uh, he was, uh, I mean, he'd thrown four, no hitters before and, and it wasn't a real pretty no hitter. You know, he walked a bunch of people, but, he had the Dodgers so all balanced that day they they couldn't hit him. They, they were just waving it air. But it was really funny. Years later, when I was walking into Arlington, Texas, uh, I saw this group of people. There's about 20 of them. And uh, I recognized the guy that was running the tour. He, he, he was doing some PR work with the Rangers. His name was Jim Sunberg, the old catcher. Yeah, I remember him. And... Uh, so he stopped me and he introduced me. I'll give him credit. He knew everybody's name in the crowd that he was introducing. My mother was one of 13 and I had trouble remembering everybody's name, you know, <laughs> but he knew everybody's name in this group. And the last person he introduced me to was his wife. 
And I, being the smart ass I am, I said, well, then you probably yelled at me. She said, no, I didn't. I never yelled at you, ever. She said, but Ruth Ryan sure did. <laughs> Talking about <laughs> Nolan's wife. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, uh, that's good uh, stuff. It was, it was a classic, classic statement, you know. I never yelled at you, but Ruth Ryan sure did. But, you know, you go back to, to, to where you are in Greenville. There was uh, a guy that started working in the recreation department when I was very young, and you need to give him a lot of credit for the development of the, the whole recreation department there named Boyd Lee. Oh, yeah. And uh, when Boyd retired, I sent him a congratulatory remark, and I said, uh, there's about 750 players in Major League Baseball that hate you for giving my giving me my first job as an umpire. <laughs> <laughs> he, he called me and thanked me later. It was kind of neat, but... Uh, yeah, that, that little town there has a lot of history. And, of course, it's not little anymore. That's not. You know, Boyd Lee was, was instrumental in Sports Illustrated for their 50th anniversary. They had each state, um, each each state would have a sports town USA. And Greenville, you know, he said, I think, you know, we've got great sports around here. I think we can, I think we got a chance in this thing. And so he met with me. We put together a video that was part of the presentation. And I remember I was coming out of the movie theater and he called me. He said, hey, you're not going to believe this. And I said, what's that? He said, we're one of the three finalists for this this deal charlotte greensboro and and in greenville and i was like you got to be kidding me and we all were celebrating we were a finalist and then two weeks later we got word that we were sportstown usa greenville north carolina and i think that that's you know we used to have street signs up you know maybe 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 your boy stole that street sign too but but we had street signs <laughs> up all over the place that that had sportstown usa and bob boyd and he's got his own park named after him i told him i said man you get get your own own park named after after you've done something, but yeah, he's he's another one of those legends in this town. Well, well, there was a, there was a street named over there by the new high school, Marvin Jarman Drive. Yes, remember that? Yes, yeah. And uh, Jack Foley went up to Marvin one day and said, "Marvin, you ever going to mount anything?" And Marvin said, "I don't see no street in Greenville named after you." <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he had a point. That's for sure. Joe West joining us from his home in Claremont, Florida. We're going to take a commercial break right now. We'll come back. We'll talk about some of the other things that Joe West has been into. He's had a little music career, had a little acting career. Back with more with Joe West after this. The Doritos Cool Ranch Papadilla. It's the best idea ever. Whoa, 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 whoa. The Doritos Cool Ranch Papadilla, that was my idea. My idea. Doritos and pizza. I did that. Another one. Hey, Pirate fans, Papa John's is the MVP move for game day or any day. Place your order online at PapaJohns.com and sign up for Papa Rewards. Papa John's, better ingredients, better pizza. Go Pirates! Hi, I'm Ken Hagler of Taft, Taft & Hagler. We're proud to be sponsors of The Brian Bailey Show and The Pirate Nation on Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. If you've been injured on the job or due to someone else's negligence in an automobile collision, call us at 752-2000 for a free consultation with experienced professionals who care. Go Pirates! Your vehicle is a big part of your life. That's why you should trust the team at Greenville Auto World for all your vehicle needs. Greenville Auto World believes in fair prices, superior service, and treating customers right. Visit GreenvilleAutoWorld.net to see their fully stocked inventory of SUVs, trucks, and cars. Need a lift kit, custom rims, or wheels? Greenville Auto World can upgrade your vehicle today. For sales or service, visit Greenville Auto World on Highway 43 in Greenville. This is Carter Spivey, and you're listening to Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities. Community-owned utilities mean local control, low rates, and high reliability. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back to our show. Joe West is our guest. We're trying to we're trying to bring up some music from Joe West from his uh, LP. Did you have more than one CD? I remember Blue Cowboy was one. Here we go. Here's a little Joe West. Lord, it had to be at least ninety nine in the shade. 
What do you think, Joe? I was stealing a glance at some tight short pants just as I turned my head. My baby grabbed me by the arm and this is what she Did y'all throw Joe West out of, out of his own show? Yeah. <laughs> you there, Joe? Ken, Ken Goodson wrote that song. <clears throat> Ken was a piano player for George Jones. And he came to me one day and he said, uh, uh, I'd like for you to do a, a talking album and tell stories about baseball. And so Kent had written that song and he said, uh, I'd like for you to record this. I said, why can't you get a real singer to sing it? <laughs> he started laughing. But uh, we did a we did a baseball stories album called Diamond Dreams. Yes. And that was, that was the only song that was on it. And the, the other album we did was Blue Cowboy. And that was a full-blown uh, country western uh album i had three songs that i originally written two that i arranged uh that were instrumentals and uh, and there was uh the rest of them were covers so um when i had met kent goodson through my friendships with merle haggard's group and george jones and conway and and merle were all touring at the same time called the legends tour and kent Grew up in the St. Louis area, and he was he was big on Cardinal baseball. And he he grew up in the same little town that Rush Limbaugh did. And uh, he said we used to call him Rusty. We didn't call him Rush. We called him Rusty. Anyway, uh, he came up with this idea about doing a talking album about baseball stories. And uh, I said, "What do you mean you don't like my singing?" <laughs> he says, "No, but see, you can tell these stories, and we'll." I'll put some music behind it and, and we'll have a full blown album out of it. And so he, he did, he put it together, he produced it. And, uh, and, uh, we, we put it out as a, a kind of a novelty and we're, we still got orders, you know, ever since the, the, uh, early nineties. So it was, uh, it was a nice to do. It was, it was fun. And, um, I really enjoyed doing it. And, uh, and we, we did most of the recording in Nashville uh, where I have some good friends that, uh, in fact, uh, one of my good friends there passed away a couple of years ago. His name was John Hobbs. He owned the palace and the palace was where Randy Travis first got started. Randy Travis was the dishwasher for the Nashville palace. Wow. And he used, he used to walk up and when the, when his shift was over, he'd go up and sit in with the band on stage. And that's where he was discovered. And, uh, it was funny. John told me, he says, this first year on tour, they netted $30 million. And, uh, and Garth Brooks even says, you know, there was a guy that opened a lot of doors for us and his name was Randy Travis. And, uh, so a lot of the, a lot of the new country artists would like to thank Randy Travis for what he did. You know, he was, there were the, there were the old artists that, that I knew Haggard and, and Conway and, and George Jones, but, uh, uh, Randy, Randy helped open a lot of doors for these newer artists, uh, because everybody couldn't sing like Merle Haggard, you know, so it made a difference. And, uh, and I still see some of his band members when I go to Nashville. In fact, uh, Wayne Money, uh, runs a, a band called Organic Country up there. And every time I go to town, he makes me come in and sit in for about three or four songs with him. So. It's a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. All right. Not only is he an umpire and a singer, he also had a brief acting career. Let's play that clip from The Naked Gun. It was St. Peter attacking with the ball. You idiot. He was out when he ran out of the base on the base. All right. I've had enough. You're out of here. What do you mean? You can't throw an umpire out of the game. Yeah. All right. You're out of here. scoreboard up there says he was out and he's way up there in the mezzanine all right hey how hard was that line for you joe well you know i was there for three weeks for that one line because <laughs> <laughs> you, you had to do all the background scenes and uh it, it was funny because i wasn't the first pick for that part they wanted lee wire who was a local uh guy lee lee umpired in the national league for 20 some years and and he had signed up for that and uh when he got the part, uh, he had to call him and say, I have a crew chief meeting. I can't, I can't do the movie. And so they called Eddie Montague up in San Francisco 
because this was filmed at Dodger Stadium. And uh, Eddie said, uh, what I have to do? He said, well, it's three weeks work and so-and-so. And he said, I got a wife and kids. I'm not coming to, to Los Angeles for three weeks. And so he said, well, call Joe West. He's not he's not married. Call him. <laughs> <laughs> so they called me. And uh, and I said, uh, how much? And they said, $1,000. A thousand a week. Now, this is the middle 80s. Yeah. And I said, uh, plus expenses. And they said, oh, no, no, it's a day actor. So they, that's why they wanted wire, because he lived there. right? And I said, I can't come to L.A. for a thousand a week. I said, it's, I lose money. And uh, so I hung up. And about 30 minutes later, they called back and said, we'll give you 3000 a week. So I said, okay. <laughs> so they, they tripled what I was going to get. Well, not knowing anything about the Screen Actors Guild or any of this stuff, because I had a speaking part, they have to pay you residuals. So I think I got a little bit over $9,000 to shoot this because I was there just a day or two more than three weeks. But my residual payments since, since the middle 80s have been almost a quarter of a million dollars. You're kidding me. Yeah, I, I still get checks every quarter. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, and, you, know, a- base, you see it on the baseball network, and I just say, oh, this is great. I get another check, you know. That's but, great. Uh, yeah, but when, uh, and you got to remember, uh, this is one of the movies that O.J. Simpson was in. That's right. Yes, he was. And, and when O.J.'s trial came out, this movie was being shown on all kinds of networks, HBO, all kinds of stuff. And so I was getting more money while that trial was going on, then I got paid to shoot the movie. So it was, it's amazing. And you know who else was in that movie? It was Reggie Jackson. And Reggie was there one day. And he got 80, I think 80,000 for that one day. <laughs> Man. So, so if I've made a quarter of a million, he's made 10 times that. <laughs> That's the truth. Who would have thought that, that just for that, you can make that much money on residuals for that? Well, yeah, but see, they put it together so well that that uh, the actors who have the speaking parts and are shown in the full feature they they have to get paid for their likeness, and it's it's all governed under what's called the Lanham Act. And for years, I tried to get baseball to do that when they'd show a replay of a ball game, and I wasn't looking for anything like this amount of money. But when the Phillies when you when you leave the ballpark in Philadelphia and you go back to your hotel and you're getting ready for bed, you turn on the TV, the Phillies are rebroadcasting the game. And I always felt, that, especially as the union president, if they're showing your likeness again, they need to pay you for it again for the same reason that the Screen Actors Guild makes sure that the actors get paid. Now, granted, I think the players should get paid more money than the umpires in it, but they should get something. And it took us, well, I was... I think it was the last two years I worked. Uh, we finally got some licensing money for it, and it wasn't anywhere near, like I said, what this kind of money was. But they got a, a stipend from the licensing and the use of the the umpire's uh, likeness when they redid stuff. And and so we were successful. It just took us a few years to get it. <laughs> What was it like on the set with with Leslie Nielsen? Because obviously he's, um, you know, just 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 the guy you see on on in films and how crazy that movie was. But how was he like to work with? Oh, he was he was a lot of fun. He, well, I'll tell you the scariest thing that happened that whole film. When I pulled up in the parking lot the first day for my portion, he was rehearsing the national anthem. And all I could think of was, what have I gotten myself into? Because <laughs> <laughs> it was the worst rendition of the National Anthem you could ever hear. I mean, it was almost as bad as Roseanne Barr. Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, it was it, it was a fun time. You know, I got to meet Priscilla Presley, and she was a sweetheart. She was, I think she was a little intimidated by the whole thing because that was her first picture. She'd done television before, but she'd never done a, a major film. And and Leslie made everybody, you know, he was he was a charm to work with. George Kennedy was there, and uh, and we used to go to makeup 
And George would be sitting there and I'd say, George, you know why we're in here? And he'd go, yeah, we're in for makeup. I said, you know why we're in here? It's because they're afraid to shoot us what we really look like. <laughs> he'd laugh. He was, he was just a good guy. And uh, Hank Robinson was the first base umpire in the film. And Hank was a gray-haired guy that if you ever see a, a movie that has a baseball umpire in it, the old-time movies of baseball umpires, Hank was in it because he had the gray hair, he had the Doug Harvey look and the Shad Crawford look because of his gray hair, and that's why he was in that movie. Hank never umpired a game in his life. <laughs> <laughs> but he had to look. Yeah, he had to look. And, and so that's how he'd always get the the part as the umpire. He was... He was the plate umpire in the the movie Angels in the Outfield in every game. <laughs> so, but uh, it it was uh, it was quite an experience. It was a lot of fun. When it was your time to to say your line, were you intimidated at all, or, or were you relaxed? And and how many times did you have to say that line? Well, Hank was the one that had the hardest part because he had the argument with Leslie. And before that, but that day that we shot that. Hank was in the in the uh, umpire's locker room. I got him to open up the umpire's locker room so Hank and I could play gin against each other. When I left that set, I was 100 games ahead of Hank and gin. But anyway, Hank, Hank was telling us his story. He said, this, you know, I have to tell you, my first acting job was a Gene Autry picture. I was always an extra. I never had an acting job. And he said, I'm the blacksmith in Gene Autry picture. And the director comes and says, I'm going to give you a speaking part, Hank. Well, the great thing about that is if you have a speaking part, you get paid residuals. If you're just an extra, you don't get paid anything. Once it's shown, that that's it. That's all you get. So Hank's telling me that, you know, I got this part. And the director comes to me and says, I'm going to get us get to say something. And he says, Gene's going to ride up on Chamberlain. He's going to stop right on that mark. And he's going to say, do you see some riders come through here? And your line is, yes, I did. That's all you got to do. So Hank sat there all morning by his hammer and anvil going, yes, I did. 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 So they break and go to lunch. He still hadn't hadn't shot his part yet. He goes to lunch. He, now, when you're an actor, it's a whole different set for lunch. You get salad, soup, whatever you want to eat. You know, as an extra, you get a Coke and a, a bag of potato chips. So Hank's got this whole plate of food in front of him, and he can't eat it because he's going, yes, I did. Yes, I did. So sure enough, they break. First thing after lunch is Hank's blacksmith scene. And he says, Autry rides up, and he stops that horse right on the mark. And when he did, he said, you see some riders come through here. And he's still rehearsing. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. When he said, do you see some riders come through? Hank said, did I? Of course, the director says, cut and everything. And we're laughing about it over this card game. So sure enough, we go out to shoot that section of the film or Hank's in the argument with Leslie Nielsen. And we rehearse it one time. And the director says, Hank, when he kicks you out of the game, you bow your chest out and say, what do you mean? And I started laughing. I said, there's no way he's rehearsed this for two months. You're going <laughs> to throw this line. He has no chance of getting this right. Not a, not a prayer. Because it's, you know, it's an exciting argument. You know, he's out, he's safe, he's out. So sure enough, he said, you ready to shoot? And Hank says, yeah, let's do it. Okay, so take one. And he goes, he's out, he's safe, he's out, he's safe. He said, well, you idiot, he was out the first time he ran out of the base. Said, All right, you're out of here. And Hank bowed his chest out and forgot the line. And he looked back at me and he said, Joe, what's my line? And I said, did I? <laughs> As I said, did I? Leslie Nielsen said, would I? And Hank turned around and said, no, it's did I. And they're going, did I, would I, did I. Now the director has no idea what <laughs> But uh, that was my dealing with Hank Robinson on the set of The Naked Gun. <laughs> That's good stuff. That is really good stuff. Joe West, our guest. We're going to take our final commercial break right now. We'll come back and then we'll wrap things up on this edition of The Brian Bailey Show with our friend, the umpire, Joe West, after this.
you know that it's illegal to dig without first calling 811? 811 is a free program that locates underground utilities, marking them with flags and paint lines so you know where not to dig. Accidentally digging into utility lines interrupts service and could seriously hurt you or someone else. If you know someone who's planning to dig, encourage them to call 811 at least three full working days before they dig. 811 is free, it's safe, and it's the law. This message is brought to you by Greenville Utilities and this station. Pepsi Zero Sugar has a new, better flavor. A Zero Sugar Cola has never tasted this good. But we don't expect you to take our word for it, so we're putting it to the test. Starting with me. Cue the fireworks. We have an official best Zero Sugar ever. It's delicious, it's refreshing, and it's so good you'll need to try it for yourself. Pepsi Zero Sugar. Zero never tasted so good. That's what I like. Happy 100th anniversary to Minji's Bottling Group. Congratulations on 100 years of refreshing Eastern North Carolina. Hey, John, I uh, see your new system's having issues already. Yeah, I used the other guy with an AC brand I've never heard of. You should have used Delcor, John. They install train. It's hard to stop a train. I know, but the other guy was cheaper. Cheaper isn't better, John. I know. I know. Don't use the other guy. Call Delcor. For a limited time, buy a new train system and pay 0% interest for 12 months. Visit Delcor.com for more details. Delcor, the service professionals. Winslow's is now Fifth Street Hardware Restaurant and Tap Room. With a brand new look, Fifth Street Hardware also has a new menu and serving lunch and dinner every Tuesday through Sunday and brunch starting at 1030 on Sundays. What else is new? Well, they have poker every Tuesday night, trivia Wednesday with DJ Captain Morgan, and on Friday and Saturday nights, they have live music open till 2 a.m. serving light appetizers all night long. New look, new name, same location on Fifth Street. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram for more specials. Fifth Street Hardware Restaurant and Tap Room. At U.S. Cellular, you can get one line for just $29.99 with unlimited data, which is good news for you, friendly hermit who shuns society and lives in a cabin all by himself. Wow, thanks. You know, you'd be surprised how much data hermit goes through. Actually, I'm not that surprised at all. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. We value human connection with fewer distractions. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Visit your U.S. Cellular authorized agent, Atlantic Wireless, with locations in Snow Hill, Bellhaven, and Greenville. Saturdays are your day to kick back, relax, and have fun. That's why Atavola Market Cafe is the perfect place to go for dinner, drinks, and takeout. Atavola is open every Saturday at 4 p.m. on the bar side, serving a special selection of menu favorites of appetizers, pastas, and specialty pizzas. Whether it's dine-in, take out or drinks with friends, Atavola is the best choice every Saturday starting at 4 o'clock. Visit AtavolaMarket.com to see what's new and visit Atavola on Red Banks Road every Saturday starting at 4. Atavola, pirates supporting pirates. What's going on, y'all? This is your man, Petey Pablo, and right now you're listening to Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. Raise up! You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities, working for our community, not for shareholders. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back as we wrap things up with our favorite umpire, Joe West. Clip Brock's got a question for you, Joe. Clip's our ace host around here, the three-hour show in the afternoons, and he produces my show each uh, Monday. So go ahead, Clip. Joe, uh, great to talk with you. Love the stories, especially Naked Gun stories. It's uh, one of my all-time favorite movies. But uh, my grandfather, uh, who's no longer with us, was had an interesting view on sports he was a big fan but also told me that every game was rigged especially if his favorite team lost but he he said at an early age that uh joe west hated the braves and always cheated against the braves so you know what was i supposed to think i had to trust my grandfather right so i grew up (laughs) thinking that you hated the braves and i'm just curious how many times have you heard that in your uh, career that you hate a certain team i'm sure you've heard it millions of times right well, I think the funny thing is, is it doesn't matter who wins or loses. If your team loses, it's the umpire's fault. That's right. <laughs> Every time. It's a unique game, and it's typically American for a few reasons. Number one, you're supposed to hit a round ball with a cylindrical bat and hit it square and then hit it where they can't catch it. And then, because of what it is, and because it's typically American, they always blame somebody else if they don't succeed. And usually the person they blame is the umpire. So if your grandfather was watching the Braves back in the 80s, the middle 80s, and pulling into the before Bobby Cox really took over and they took him to a bunch of championships, they were losing more than I was hurting them. 
And I'll never forget up to the old manager in the American League. He told me one time, he said, he said, do you ever notice how good the umpires are when you win? <laughs> <laughs> That's well, awesome. They're, ma- they're magnificent when you win. And and it, it, it's really funny that uh, they try to, it, because it's typically American, they always blame somebody else. Uh, the, I told Bill Bradley, the old the basketball player and senator, uh, one time he says, how do you judge what's, what's a great leader? And I said, well, a great leader... <clears throat> We'll take all the blame when you're not successful and none of the success when you are. And he said, that's amazing. He said, I never thought of it like that. No, I mean, this guy's a professional basketball player. He's one of the greatest college basketball players in history. And uh, when I said that, he said, uh, well, well, give me the kind of example you're talking I said, well, Tony La Russa. Okay, Bobby Cox. I said, when they lose, they took the blame. They didn't let the players take the blame. They took the heat. And when they win, they would always say, oh, I had great players. And Jimmy Leland was like that. Whitey Herzog was like that. Uh, Dick Williams, as grumpy as he was, was like <laughs> that. But, uh, and you, you look back on all these, uh, Bruce Bochy was the same way. Uh, Terry Francona is that way. When, when they lose, the leader takes the blame for the loss. I should have had them better prepared. I should have. You understand what you know exactly what I'm saying. It's just the fact that fans look at it with a blind eye. Is their team can do no wrong, and yet it's really funny. The nicest player I was I ever dealt with in baseball played for the Braves it was Dale Murphy. Ah, how about that? We had Dale Murphy was in town what a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah, the far nicest person of anybody. Always had time for the kids. Uh, he would sign autographs right up till he went to right field to play or center field, wherever he was playing that day. And when he came up, he came to the minor leagues with me. And he was a catcher. And they finally had to move him from catching because he kept hitting the pitchers with his throws to second base. <laughs> so, <laughs> but he was a, a great athlete. And uh, uh, I'll never forget the, the first time I ever met Ted Williams. He said, don't you think Dale Murphy's one of the top three hitters in all of baseball? And I said, no, because he strikes out too much. I don't even think he's one of the top three hitters on his own team. Now, Ted got in an argument with me, and Ted are arguing at, at this Red Sox facility over in Winter Haven. And a couple of people went to try to break it up, and Sam Mealy pulled them back and said, no, this is going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't pick a nicer person in the world as far as a baseball player than Dale Murphy. And uh, it's just... Uh, uh, how he's not in the Hall of Fame, I do not know. He was MVP of the league two years in a row. Of course, there's another one that's old-time player, Roger Maris, not in the Hall of Fame either. I don't know how those two guys are not in the Hall of Fame. And uh, I, I had a long talk with Jim Leland this past year, and he says the same thing about Barry Bonds. How, how do you put players in the Hall of Fame that don't have Barry Bonds credentials? And they say, well, the steroids. Well, then you should have fixed that problem. You should have done, you should have fixed it. You, there shouldn't have been that problem. And even though Barry Bonds never tested positive for steroids, he's not in the Hall of Fame. And uh, I'll give you another. Roger Clemens is the guy, one of the best pitchers I ever saw. He was the closest thing to Tom Seaver I ever saw. And he's not going to go in the Hall of Fame. There's, there's something wrong with our system when it happens that way. So I don't mind your, your grandfather being mad at me because he's, he's pulling for his team and I'm part of the blame. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't, I don't begrudge anybody their opinion or what their uh, thoughts are. You know, Hulk, Har- there's nobody that, that buried me worse than Hawk Harrelson and I still play golf with him. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's good stuff. Well, Joe, we're out of time. We certainly appreciate your time today. Thanks so much. We'd love to have you on again sometime down the road and uh, enjoy retirement. Get on up here to Greenville. Let's visit. I'll take you to lunch. How about that? 
Okay. All right. But you, if you if you take me to lunch, you got to take Marvin. I'll take Marvin. RV. We'll have everybody come. Okay. We'll, we'll all be there. Okay. That'll be fun. Uh, enjoy it. All right. Thank you, Joe West, Cowboy Joe, Country Joe, Joe West, our favorite umpire, joining us on the Brian Bailey Show today. Coming up next week, we'll be live from Clearwater, Florida, to get you set for the American Athletic Conference baseball tournament. East Carolina currently in second place in the standings. Need a sweep next weekend and have Houston lose at least one game. But we'll of course talk about that throughout the week this week and then we'll get you set for the tournament depending on when East Carolina practices down in Clearwater but we'll have that for you next week here on the uh, season finale of the Brian Bailey Show. That's our show for today. We'll see you back here next week. This has been the Brian Bailey Show powered by Greenville Utilities and also brought to you by Angus Grill, Bostic Sug Furniture, Bojangles, East Coast Grading, Papa John's, Pepsi, The Rick House, Greenville Utilities, Taft, Taft, and Hagler, Tiebreakers, and Greenville Auto World. Join us next week for another edition of The Brian Bailey Show, right here on Pirate Radio.